Welcome to On the Brink, a fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. I'm Andy Simon. I'm your host or your hostess, and my job is to help you get off the brink. And you come to listen to the people who I bring to help you do just that. Our job is to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. So today, I have Kim Spencer here with you. Kim, I was on her podcast. She has a wonderful program called Crown Yourself. It was an honor and a privilege. So she came to hear what we were doing and to listen to what we can help other people do as well. I'd like her to tell you her story. Listen carefully. It's not an expected story. It's a great one. But her journey is going to help you rethink where you're going. And that's what it's all about. So, Kim, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. It is a pleasure to see your face again. I had so much fun recording our episode of The Princess and the Bee together. And you were you were awesome. And your episode is dropping in a few weeks. So I'm very excited. <laughs> Tell the listeners, where are you located? Well, currently I'm in the Gold Coast of Australia. Um, I'm Obviously, my accent is not Australian. My husband was appearing at a convention here in March, ironically, with the cast of The Walking Dead. I found that humorous and macabre at the same time, considering that a pandemic <laughs> was breaking out. And we just looked at each other and we saw how the Gold coast in Queensland was handling things. And we saw the attitude of Australians and we saw uh, the attitude and experiences that were going on back home in Los Angeles. And we just turned and looked at each other one day and jokingly said, well, what what if we just stayed? Like, what if like we're going to be on lockdown anyway? What if we just stayed for a few months and had the beaches our backyard? And I'm sure Airbnbs are going for a great rate right now. And so that's exactly what we did. And my husband knew that this would mean that uh, he'd be taking more of a dad role um, so that I could be growing my business and running my business. Um, And he would, I mean, because his voiceover career is predominantly back in Los Angeles. So, but fortunately he has been able to do some voiceover work here as well, which has been really fun for him. Um, But that's, that was, so we've stayed. And so what turned, what we thought was going to be a few months turned out to be nine months. And now we're expecting to stay for two years. And my husband is going to follow his bliss and go to chef school at 52. So (laughs) isn't that a gift? Yeah, that is great. Well, now that we know the recent history You have had a wonderful career. Tell our listeners about your journey till you got to Australia, because what are you doing and how did it all come about? Because you have a great story to share. Oh, thank you. I I have had a a very wonderful and varied careers, plural. Um, I now am a high performance coach for visionary leaders. My business has been looking back. It all makes sense because I'm in the business of transforming people's stories into what's possible for their potential. And I've always been in that business, even when I was in screenwriting, um, writing uh, my first feature film that got picked up by Lionsgate and produced on Netflix and starred Danny Trejo. Like that film was about a young kid who was trying to fit in with the cool crowd. And what came of that? And what happens when you try to adapt yourself to fit into somebody else's mold? My transforming stories purpose also came into play as a Pilates instructor. And I had my own private Pilates studio in uh, Los Angeles for a little while, for about eight years and had that. And so I was transforming people's stories about their bodies. I also was transforming people's stories when I got offered the opportunity to become a partner in an e-commerce company 
and take this product to market. We got it up on Times Square and the big billboards. And that was so exciting. And then I got to pitch it to the first round of Shark Tank auditions and let's start looking for venture capital and, and angel investors. And, and suddenly I was like at 20, for the president of a quarter of a million dollar company. I was like, what, what? <laughs> so, but, but I was also in the trans- business of transforming people's stories about what was possible for their, for their functional furniture and for their back pain. So I've always been looking back. It all makes sense because my varied career path all came from following my curiosity and leaning into when my gut said, okay, go for this. Like I'd always wanted to be an actor and a screenwriter in Hollywood. And that was uh, my dream for years. And looking back, it was because back then I didn't have any other model or mold for any other profession that would provide the income and the impact that I wanted to make. And so Hollywood, all I saw were Hollywood stars making millions of dollars and having a platform that they could speak on. Well, now I have a platform that has touched 800,000 lives with Crown Yourself and um, have been the face of my brands for the past four years. So in essence, I'm bringing those skills, that skill set into my brand as well. Writing stories that like I thought that when I got my feature film produced and distributed, I was like, this is it. This is my big thing. And it turned out I was only 90 percent fulfilled when I had this childhood dream actually come to life. And I was like, whoa, what's up with this? But what was up with that was that I didn't know how far that story could serve. And so what actually fulfilled me was when two weeks later, I found out that a kid who came to the premiere, because when you write a movie, you get extra tickets that you pass out like candy, or at least I did. And and (laughs) this kid changed his life because of the story that he saw mirrored on screen. Uh His life was paralleling the story of the lead character and he changed his life. And I said, that's what I want to do. Uh And so I looked for how I could do that. Same with Pilates. Pilates was originally just a way to support me as in my career in entertainment back when I was 17, eight years, 18 years old. But what it really became was my own healing journey, healing from a 10 year battle with bulimia. It allowed me to get into a leadership position where suddenly people were looking to me who had like, I used to be an exercise induced asthmatic, Andy. Like I, I couldn't run a mile to save my life. Now I've run five marathons. (laughs) I, I working out was not my thing, but I found Pilates. I found this one modality that now knowing what I know about the mind and the brain, it, it, it brought me to life in such a way and it allowed me to serve from a place of authenticity and vulnerability and being the type of person that people could relate to of being like, Hey, I haven't always loved working out, but this is a form that made me love my body. And then same with business and getting my, my feet wet in e-commerce. Like it just taught me my love of marketing and connecting and making deals and making sales and, and all of those experiences I now take into being a high performance coach at, with crown yourself. And that, that, to me was just such an aligned, um, an aligned business that, that came out of being bought out of my e-commerce company three weeks before I got married and then wondering (laughs) on my honeymoon, like, what do I do when I get back? And it it came out of way too many espressos and one very long, beautiful conversation with my husband about Uh all the passions that I'd had and combining them into one holistic business. You know, I knew a little bit about you. And as I listened to you, I think that your story is even more important for our listeners. As much as I thought it was a great story before, listening to it come from you yourself changes the context. Words on a 
page or out of context, they're words, but there's something magical. What's going on is a reflection. When you talk about a transformation, I work with women to help rethink because that's both what I'm, my passion is now as well as the book. But, but here is a story that others can listen to and begin to say, well, how did she do that and how can I do that? So as you're working to transform and coach people, I bet you have some tools in your toolbox that others could begin to think about because, A, it's not that easy. You have to collaborate with your mind. And you and I both talk about that mind of ours. It undermines what we're trying to do all the time. Habits take over. It's a very complex thing. Can you share your tools that others can begin to listen to and say, ah, that's how we do it. And that's how she does it. What do you share? So a couple of things. One is I was very blessed after being bought out of my e-commerce company. I started Crown Yourself, but for a year and a half, it was making no money. It, I was completely dabbling and I was stuck in what I call productive procrastination, where you're <laughs> really busy and you're doing a lot of things, but nothing is actually moving the needle. Nothing is actually gaining traction or momentum. And I was stuck in this space because I didn't realize how my mindset had been so impacted by three months of dealing with lawyers and all the things of having uh my, it was the first time I'd ever dealt with lawyers. It was the first time I'd ever had my integrity or my capabilities or anything really called into question. Prior to that, I'd always been the type of person that just went for it. I would just make these big audacious asks. I would, I would be super bold. Like when I wanted to write my first feature, I told the director, he said he didn't have a script. I said, why don't give me a shot? When I <laughs> got into the partnership of, of the e-commerce company, I was originally brought on to just consult on the product. And I said, actually, I see the value in this product. And if you're going to have me consult on it, I actually would prefer to be a partner. And, and I would just make these big audacious asks. But after that experience of my buyout, I got very timid and I got very doubtful of myself. And it was the first time in my life that I'd ever had real deep-seated doubt and fear. Well, first time since I was like, in, as a, since I, since kindergarten, when I was incredibly shy. So I had trained, I had trained myself to be more audacious. So I basically had to retrain myself to be more courageous. I had to retrain the bravery and I had to start training that muscle just like, like, you train any muscle. And what happened was, was I had, um, which I tell, I've, I've told this to, to three of my clients now, um, of the greatest motivation that you'll ever have in your life is to get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, being a two-time mom, I get it. And it's exactly right. That does yep. push you. It does push you. And for me, the title of like CEO or founder or anything like that, it never scared me as much as the title is of mom. Mm -hmm. Because I'd grown up with, um, with my parents were great. I'd seen them grow a business, but I'd also seen them struggle with addiction and different forms of abuse. And there, there was that pain growing up. And so the title of mom, like I knew that if I want, was going to be a mom, I wanted to be a damn good one. Yes. And, and I had made that commitment to myself. And I knew that when I got pregnant with my son, I said, there is no way that the woman that I am now is worthy of being the mom because uh -huh. I was in a space of complaining. I was blaming. I was doubting myself every day. And I said, at least if he has a mom, if I'm going to tell, because kids, you know, as a mother too, like 
kids listen to what you do, not necessarily to what you say. <laughs> it's true. And, and if I'm going to be telling my son that anything is possible, that he can follow his dreams, that he can go for the goal, that he can do whatever it is that he wants to accomplish in life. And if he works at it hard enough and long enough and give him enough time and enough tools and enough resources, he's going to figure it out and he's going to be able to succeed. Then I better well be practicing that. And so immediately after I, I found that out, I, I took a big, bold leap of courage. I got certified in NLP, timeline therapy and hypnosis, and, and suddenly had a process that I was able to put into place to serve my clients with. Well, this is very interesting. Now, this is very interesting because you have not had a straight line. You've gone through a maze way. And it seems like you have turned left and right and left and right. How did you have the confidence to know that you were on a good path or you paused and you had to change your path? Because I know our listeners often ask, how do you know when is the right time? I'll give you one illustration. I'm working with a dozen women to build my own program called Rethink Your Journey with Andy Simon. And every single one of these women is stuck or stalled. And they say to me, I never want to do this again. I've been successful, but I don't like what I'm doing. How can I get purpose again? They're at that juncture, that point. They're on the brink of becoming uh, the person they didn't want to be. And can I help them become the one that they want to be? I have a hundred clients come to you with some of the same dilemmas, pain points. You know, what's going on? How about yourself? What do you help? How do you help them change? So I look at instead from a top-down approach, I look at it from a bottom-up approach, from a more somatic approach from the body um, of where does certainty and trust lived in, live in your body? Because when you can, because sometimes our brains can't tell the difference between fear and excitement, but our bodies can. And while our subconscious minds repress things that we're not yet ready to deal with or things that maybe we haven't fully processed yet, and it does that for our, our safety and protection, but our body, which is run by our subconscious mind, it knows. And so there is an Im immense and deep trust that I have built with trusting my gut. And it's never steered me wrong unless I didn't listen to it. Yes. And then it definitely steered me down a path <laughs> that there were some powerful learnings. But that's true. The gut and the heart are connected to the brain and we decide with them. We don't know that, but you're absolutely right. So how did they help you? So for me, I, I, I feel it. I, I, instead of going from a thinking perspective, I go from a feeling perspective of where do you feel certainty and trust in your body? Like where is in your body, if you were to close your eyes right now and you were to feel it in your body, for me, I feel it right in my solar plexus. Like I know that if there's a decision that I'm vacillating on, or if there's something like news that I, I am struggling with, once it settles into my solar plexus, once it kind of, once I kind of digest it, yep. then I get into a place where I'm I, it's, I, I, I'll be able to make a decision and it's done. When I feel those gut decisions and I, every time I've had those gut sort of feelings and then just allowed myself to play with it. What is it that I really want here? What is it that, that I'm looking to gain out of this? What is it that I really want? And asking that question, because so often we're so focused on what we don't want. So often we're so easily distracted by all the things that we don't want to achieve or we don't want to become or we, we fear becoming. And so we're actually creating that fear into our reality Yep. versus checking in with our gut and, and really getting, getting centered and saying, what is it that I do want here? I get the question a lot of like, when should I leave my job and, and pursue my you know, business full time? And I always say, when you have built up enough certainty and trust with yourself that you will produce results. So for me, 
I left my Pilates teaching job because this was how, how little I believed in myself when I started Crown Yourself. I had a Pilates studio that I'd been running successfully for four years, a small one privately. Um, I was the sole uh, Pilates instructor at it. And I didn't believe in myself so much that I went and got a second job teaching Pilates for somebody else because I was scared that I couldn't even run my own business. Wow. And so, <clears throat> so once I'd got my, got my first client, my first coaching client and made more in one client than I had in a month of teaching Pilates at that studio, I was like, I, I had enough certainty and trust that I could do it again. But I, all I needed was that one for some, they, like one of my friends, she needed to hit six figures before she could leave her corporate job. It's different for every single person. It depends on, you know, your, uh, your ability to take risks. It depends on your level of certainty and trust that you have built with yourself. But for me, I knew that if I could do it once, I could repeat the process. So tell us about Crown Yourself. What a great name. And I think it's inspirational. How did, what is that? And how did it emerge? So it really emerged from way too many espressos. <laughs> <laughs> But when I think of crown, crown yourself a queen, when she is, when a queen is born, when a queen is born as a princess, uh, she's not doubting who she is to become. Like she is on the path and then she is groomed to become the leader. Is she ready when she pops out of the womb immediately? No, she's got to be <laughs> trained. But there's nobody around her that is saying, oh, well, you're not you're not going to be queen. Like there's a path that she's following that is her divine purpose. That is, that is what she's going to become. Yet so often as business owners, as entrepreneurs, or just as, as career women or people, we doubt those feelings of purpose that we have in our heart. We doubt those feelings. And then we surround ourselves with people who say it's not realistic. It's not going to happen. Maybe you should follow this path instead. Here's what you should do. Here's some advice I'm going to give you that's completely unsolicited, unfounded, and that I'm not currently <laughs> practicing, but here you go. Um, and so so we follow that practice. As, and so we follow these other, this counsel that's not actually leaving us in a with our divine purpose and in alignment with that thing that our, our gut, our soul just kind of feels and knows yes. and, and falling into that. And so I think of rising into your reign as, as crowning yourself is owning your purpose. It's own, taking ownership of your results. It's taking ownership of your life. It's kicking fear off of your throne and saying, you know what, fear, you're not going to be sitting your pretty butt down here. I'm ruling my life. It's removing yourself from the dungeon of doubt. It's ruling from a place of service. It's not from an, an egoic dictatorship. It is ruling from a place of servant leadership and then expanding your empire from there. I mean, imagine if we all treated each other as fellow sovereigns. Imagine how this world would be if we saw each other queen to queen and then respected each other and our decision-making and and took ownership of our results and chose to show up authentically and accepted our own authentic uniqueness and quirks and weird things that come along with authenticity <laughs> and allowed ourselves to be okay with the fact that we are who we are and you are who you are. And that's fine. Yes. And, and then <clears throat> ruling from that place and then serving our people and, and continuously focusing on that level of service and leadership. And I mean, 
I'm sure you've seen as well with, with businesses that like the business will follow the leader. And so if the leader is struggling, like many of my clients do stuck with doubt, stuck with wondering if they're capable, then the business is going to suffer and struggle. If the, if the leader is feeling more confident or more centered, or at least has some form of trust that even if they don't know the exact right answer, because what is right and wrong anyways, at, that they can at least make a decision and that whatever the results come from that decision, they'll figure out the next one and that they'll be able to follow and get the, get the data from making the decision and taking ownership of each decision step-by-step as they make along the way. Now, a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. Simon Associates is us, and we love to help you see, feel, and think in new ways to help you and your business grow. We specialize in applying the tools and methods of anthropology, but we're also entrepreneurs and business builders, and we like to share our experience and expertise with you. So if you're stalled or stuck or starting up, give us a buzz and let's see if we can help you as well. You can learn all about us at simonassociates.net and read my book, learn about it at andysimon.com. There's a free chapter you can download and a toolkit you'll find very helpful. We're on Amazon and you can buy it as a book, an ebook, or even an audible that I recorded myself. We look forward to hearing from you at simonassociates.net. Info at simonassociates.net is right to us. Now back to our podcast. Now, let me ask you a question. As a, uh, I often asked about role models. Who is your role model? Do you have a role model? Is there somebody who inspired you along this way or gave you mentorship or coaching? Does, does a woman need this more than others? Uh, or are you able to see the path on your own and then keep pushing along? Sounds like your spouse is a, a great partner in this. Mine is, I know. But I mentors and Coaches have become important people. Role models are as well. It has been there anything in your own career that has given you that kind of insight that helps people? Yeah, I mean, I believe that. I mean, for me, my greatest influence was my was my father, Uh um, both positively and negatively, um, because I saw him build a multi million dollar company while being an addict. Which I said, well, if you can, if you can do that. In 30 years, then I wonder what I can do in a few years. <laughs> but I mean, he has been one of, he, both my parents have always believed in me and, you know, they have their own stuff that they've worked through, but those are the first, those are the, those are the, our first, our first role models in essence are the people that raised us, yes. whether we liked it or not. And so being able to look at that, look from that perspective of how is, how is that growing up the best, the best thing that happened to me? And I like to think of it in that perspective, because when you think of it from that perspective, how was growing up in a home with an addict and a codependent learning how not to feel anything and how to suppress it and never feel any emotions? I was a big feeling child. Um, how, how is that the best thing for me? It taught me impeccable sensory acuity where I can read somebody very, very quickly. Um, cause you learn that it's a survival technique. I've seen it with a lot of, uh, children who have had trauma, developmental trauma in their past, which have been a lot of my clients. Um, you learn, you learn how to read somebody you, cause you don't know which, which like, I didn't know which dad was coming home. Is it going to be the sober, really awesome dad? Or is it going to be the, the, the alcoholic jerk dad? Like which one's it going to be? And I needed to be able to gauge my response and adapt as fast as possible. 
Um, and then it taught, it taught me, I mean, I learned entrepreneurship from my parents. I learned how to speak up for myself by their example. That was what I had to unlearn. So I learned, if you look at what is, how is that the best growing up for you? Because so much of our subconscious programming is formed in the eight, but in that imprint period from zero to about six or seven. That's right. So that's like 90% of our programming. So we might as well address that whether we like them or not, our parents or whoever raised us were role models in some way. Sometimes maybe they role modeled not the way to do things, or maybe they role modeled the way that they did. Um, and we really like the way. So it, we get to pick and choose. We don't have to live by that definition of how they lived. We can we can allow ourselves as adults to see what behaviors really worked and what ones didn't and what which ones we can alter. And then the beautiful part is as an adult, as you're making these new choices, you can also then the roles can switch and you mm-hmm. can start influencing and impacting them. And that's been the beautiful shift in, in my relationship with my parents is now my dad is four years sober and my mom has gone to codependency and she's declaring and owning her power as a woman. And I'm like, yeah, mom, rock on. <laughs> but that, and so that's, but then that's the beauty of that transition. Well, and, and no, nobody's perfect. And you are articulating something extremely important because when you do get there, you have to begin to choose your path yourself and you're, we're mimics. And consequently, we need to figure out who we will mimic. Now, humans are monkeys and we see it and we do it. Now we have to take ownership of it. People have said, I'm a futurist. And what we've learned from psychology and the neuroscience is that humans are futurists. The only way we can live today isn't based on the past, but based on what we see as our future. Do you have a vision of your own future you can share? Oh, yeah. I mean, and and the beautiful thing is that the future and the past are also not happening in the present moment now. No. So you can repeat the, the past story over and over, which is what most people do, or you can have that, hold that vision for what the future is. I mean, right now we are living the vision that my husband and I set out eight years ago when we first met, like this was the vision for our future. And so it works. <laughs> but you, you said something important though. It's what we, now we've learned a lot. Um, Judith Glaser's work on conversational intelligence and the neurosciences, I forgive me for weaving them in because the story you're telling may seem that it's unique to you, but it's not. And it's a multiplier out there. Um, But the word we brings out all the oxytocin and our love hormones go like, wow. And the word I is very um, cortisol. It brings out a lot of the fear and the flight and the appeasing. And so as you think about what we planned, I'm married 52 years and we're still happily. But the point is that when we think about we, what you're doing for other women, it's powerful. And as I'm listening to your conversation with our listeners, which is a we, uh, I hope their minds are full of oxytocin that are saying, man, I love this woman. She's helping me think through through her life what I can do with mine. So and we're about ready to wrap up. I'd love you to share with them, I don't know, one, two or three things that you don't want them to forget because we could talk all night. And I don't think we're going to because I do think that they want to get on to living this wonderful journey that they have. Some things you want them to leave with. 
So one thing that you just mentioned, Andy, that that is a powerful exercise to do is no matter who you see succeeding in a vision of something that you desire, if you start to feel those emotions of, of jealousy or comparison, as I know a lot of women can feel, settle in and just recognize that jealousy and comparison is a sign that that's something that you want. That's a good sign because so often we're focused on what we don't want. So it's a sign that there, there, there is something right there that you actually want. And here's the beautiful thing. And here's something that I constantly say to myself throughout the day. If I'm, you know, on Facebook or Instagram or any of the social medias or talking to an amazing, talented woman like you who's achieved so much, who I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to, you know, <laughs> to cheer on your book and, and all that, like to be able to, to see that and say, I can do that too. And, and I do this with goals that I've already achieved. Like I see a lot of my clients when they first come to me, they want to hit their first 10K month. I've done that many, 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 many times and then some. Um, but when they're, when they're at that stage, like I'm like, I can do that too. And it's constantly <laughs> retraining that in your brain yes. that you can do that too. So whatever it is that you see someone else doing, that you see someone else achieving, especially if you start to feel those feelings of jealousy and comparison, immediately check yourself. And like, I actually write it down. I'm like, I can do exact. And I write down what they've achieved. So I can have, you know, uh, two kids and a dog and travel the world. And I can have, like, I can <laughs> do this, you know, whatever it is. Uh-huh. Um, that's one. The, number two is really allowing yourself to ask the question, no matter what circumstances. I know we have had a lot come down on us in 2020 and, one of the greatest questions that I learned from my mentor is how is this the best thing that ever happened to you? Yes. And asking that consistently and daily, especially when you face struggle, especially when you face hardship, especially when you face challenge, because it gives you insight as to who you're growing into. So it allows you to fall in love with the process of mastering yourself, which is an ever evolving and never ending process. (laughs) So we might as well fall in love with it. Yes. And and then number three is check in with your body is allow Like we've put such a prize on IQ for so long but our EQ and our feelings and our ability to feel our feelings in our body, feelings are a sign. I like to think of feelings as being like a package. So often I see with a lot of high achievers and especially my, my ones who are very personal development minded, like they don't want to, they don't want to have anger or sadness or fear or rage. Like, Oh no, 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 we're not going to sign for that package. Problem is, is that that, if you don't sign for that package, there's a backlog in a storage container somewhere that is getting stacked up like crazy that eventually (laughs) that storage container is going to explode. And so instead allow for the feeling to be a sign. And so when you sign for the package, doesn't mean you have to open it and unpack it immediately, but sign for the package, accept that it's there, whether it's fear, whether it's anger, shame, guilt, whatever, accept that it's there. And then I like to actually ask myself, like, what is this emotion here to teach me? And I allow myself to sit in the feeling of it and then open the package And when you can allow yourself to fully feel that feeling, because scientifically measured, a feeling lasts for 90 seconds. So when you allow yourself to fully feel that feeling, let it process through your body, you will have the most beautiful awakening and realization and breakthrough that happens on the other side. The tide doesn't stay in all the time, nor does a feeling stay in all the time. What happens and what holds it in is if you choose to hold on to it and like dwell on it or repress it or damn it up, 
So instead, allowing for it to process through and trusting your body is safe and that you can process that those feelings of whatever it is that you're feeling on the, on the way to whatever it is that you want to achieve, that, that those feelings are just beautiful signs that will have such powerful breakthroughs for you on the other side. Well, this has been absolutely a fabulous conversation. I'm so honored that you decided to join me on my podcast after I was on yours, because I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. But I love to keep sharing it. And you're smiling. It's just a wonderful time for the sharing for we to help men and women begin to see what they can be. And it doesn't have to be limited and it doesn't have to be what the past has set up for you. And there's a whole future waiting for you, but you have to begin to feel it, trust those feelings. I'm not going to say be mindful or meditate, but allow you to sit still for a moment, pause and let the stuff come through and out again, begin to understand you're a whole person, a body, mind and spirit. And it's a great time for those to come together. So for our listeners, I want to thank you for joining us and sending us all your ideas. Your info at andysimon.com comes right to me. And I do think this is a time for us to share the best that we can with others so you all can transform your lives. It's a moment. Now, don't waste the crisis. I used to tell people, if you want to change, have a crisis. Now, Kim told you about her crises from the beginning. But your life is your life. Whatever it is that at this moment seems to be untenable, you're stuck or you're stalled, pause for a moment, look at the mirror and say, who's looking back at me? It's a good time to ask good questions and begin to see what could be. Because if you see the future in a positive way and change that story, you can make it happen. You just need to collaborate with your mind and begin to see how it can do. So I'm Andy Simon. I'm your host. Uh, or your hostess. And On the Brink is here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Thank you for joining us. Have a safe day. Oh, and remember my new book, Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business, is on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's a, a fast company imprint, and they are really telling people about why this is a book you should read today to help you rethink tomorrow. Bye-bye now. Have a great day.